one custom car care. All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, how is the world treating you in this fall season? It's another beautiful day in the Ozarks. It is. I visited with some folks this week, um, and they had all cut open um, persimmon seeds in their neck of the woods. I must have done it a little too early. I think possibly, or yours, you know, your season may have ran later than theirs, you know, it's very possible. They all had spoons in there. Oh, so, so a lot of snow. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. So hmm. we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go out there again because I found that tree mm-hmm. right on our, our tree line. That's so cool. I and I didn't even know we had one. So I'll have to go out there and cut one open. I am trying to, and you and I have talked about this quite a bit, get ready for the winter season a little bit yes. more proactively than I have in the last few years. And, you know, part of that is snow removal. I do a little bit of that uh, for our shops. And then the other part of it is make sure that we have good backup power, dependable, you know, the generators are going, all that kind of seasonal maintenance stuff. Because, you know, nobody wants to be without electricity or transportation. I think both of those are pretty near and dear to everybody's heart. That's right. And right now is a really good time. People don't think about this. But go wash your vehicle. Yeah. Because once you start getting all that sludge mm-hmm. on it and, you know, it, you're tracking stuff in and out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good idea to try to wash your vehicle as much as you possibly mm-hmm. can. But right now is a good time to go ahead and get ahead of that. Yeah. And it really goes a long way. I can tell a vehicle that's been, you know, kept indoors or under a roof at least. Um, and it makes the repairs so much more... Um, Pleasant, I guess, would be the way to put it. And difficulty equals money. So um, if you make it a little bit easier, it it will cost you less in the long run, as well as occasionally I pick up vehicles in St. Louis, out in uh, Wichita quite a bit, and then Kansas City. And I can tell the difference of the rust and corrosion just even that short distance of the vehicles here in Missouri or Arkansas or, you know, southern Kansas, Oklahoma, those vehicles are in significantly better condition typically from rust and corrosion. So if you're in a uh, caustic environment where they put a lot of salt on the roads or the beet juice or whatever, you definitely want to keep it as clean as possible. And it really is worth your while. It protects your investment, for lack of a better way to put it. So, Right. Well, speaking of investments, mm-hmm. I figured we could go ahead and kick this show off. Okay. We had a listener question awesome. for you. They said, Dustin, what are your thoughts on an air raid intake on my 2005 Sierra truck? Oh, this is an awesome question. Um, uh, my thoughts are, I don't like them at all. Did you expect that? Did oh, you... Well, I don't know what an air raid intake is. So air raid is a brand, uh, K&N. I don't know if you've ever heard of the K&N air filters. That was kind of a big fad there for a while. Um, and I'm not completely against all cold air intakes, which is essentially the the premise of that. Um, the reason that I'm kind of hating on it just a little bit is that is a mass airflow equipped engine management system that measures the volume of air with a heated electrical wire. And I'm nerding out just a little bit, so bear with me a second. The reason that I don't like the Air Raid or the K&N or any of the other ones that are oil-based filtration is that oil, I don't care how little you put on there, most people put way too much oil on the filter when you recharge it, it gets on that element and it actually falsifies the readings back to the engine control module because it has the oil and dirt and debris on it. So 
it really, in the beginning, you might notice a small increase in horsepower and a small increase in fuel economy, and then you will notice a significant decrease in both over time. So I am much more a proponent of factory uh, filtration, or if you're not wanting that and you need lower exhaust gas temperatures in a diesel, or if you want more air going into a gasoline engine, you really have to do it on both sides of the coin, and it has to be a dry air filter. So S&B is the brand that I personally prefer for most of the diesels that I like. Not saying there's not other brands out there, but if you're going to buy a cheap one, you, you are better off staying with the existing air filtration system that it comes equipped with. If you're needing a better breathing engine, which you know is definitely a big plus, you can't or you shouldn't really just do it in pieces. So we have done custom exhaust. I've done tremendous amounts of flow testing different over the last couple of decades um, efficiency of how to get air into an engine, but also how to get air out of an engine. So for instance, I'll just kind of hopefully wrap this up in a, in a small little story. Um, I, for years, had a LB7 Duramax, which great engine. And when I upgraded the exhaust system, then I upgraded the air intake system as well, because you need to get the air in the engine, very important. But if you're not getting the air out of the engine, you're not getting the best value out of that cold air intake system that you've installed on your vehicle. So for this listener's question, which is awesome, and I appreciate the the feedback from the listeners greatly, um, I would definitely step up to, you know, probably a little bit more of the higher end dry filtration. So if Air Raid has one that truly is a cold air intake that is not just sucking engine compartment hot air into it, uh, which I'd have to do a little check, and I'm not familiar offhand with which one you're looking at. Um, you want to upgrade your exhaust system as well so they complement and work together because, you know, I can have the best breathing air system on the market, and if I can't get the air out the exhaust, I, my air system's not working, and vice versa. I can put crazy, awesome, free-flowing exhaust on a vehicle, um, but if I don't have the intake system working correctly, I have done nothing. So I hope that makes sense out there. Um, the other one, if uh, Gail Banks from Banks Performance is another one that I'm a big fan of. Uh, like I said, the S&B is a premium uh, quality, truly does get cold air on most vehicles. Um, definitely something to consider, but you want to do it more in a, a total package. Like back in the day when I was a kid, you know, a lot of us would want to put these wicked awesome camshafts in, you know, small block Chevy or Fords. And that was great, but that's really kind of just one piece of the puzzle. If you don't have the valve springs and the tension that goes along with the correct cam, if you don't have the correct flowing heads that complement the cam, it, you know, so it's this whole piece of the puzzle that a lot of times we try and pick apart and do a little here and a little there, which is okay, but you don't get the most benefit out of it. So, you know, my personal preference is when I'm doing a repair, um, I am, you know, putting it back to factory because the factory built the engine to work with the transmission, the transmission to work with the transfer case or rear differential, and they're all matched for a similar horsepower and efficiency setup. 
So when I go altering that, a lot of times this will affect that. So for instance, I've had years where I have a lean code or a uh, mass airflow performance code, complain of fuel economy issues, complain of spark knock, all created by aftermarket air intake systems because they didn't complement or work with the existing components that were still left on that engine management system. So I realized that was a little bit of a windy answer. I hope some of that made sense. If it doesn't, please message or uh, you know try and reach out and I will try and clarify it a little bit better. But my main thing is I don't want you to go backwards. Yeah, the new cold air intake or you know whatever shiny intake system is out there looks cool under the hood, but I want it to perform correctly. I mean, I don't know if anybody else out there has been paying for gas lately. Uh, and yes, I'm going to work in a, a gas rant here for a second. That, you know, I want you to get as much out of that as possible. And if you spend your hard-earned money, uh, you know, they're not giving money away right now like they had been the last few years. So I guarantee you're spending hard-earned money on it. I want you to get the bang out of it. So um, on that Sierra, those are awesome trucks. Um there is a possibility, but I definitely wouldn't go with the low end or an oil-saturated air filter because you will go backwards in performance and fuel economy, and ain't nobody got time for that. Sarah, was that a super windy nerd answer about this? It is, but if uh, the listener feels like you didn't answer the question <laughs> or uh, you know didn't get to the nitty-gritty of what they were looking for, you can always feel free to text Please us. Please do. Our text line is 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 447-5743. We have to go to a break really okay. quick, but I do have another listener question for Excellent. you. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You got Sarah and Dustin. I'll try and leave my soapbox uh, put up for a little while because I kind of pulled it out during that last segment. But uh, we got another viewer question, I suppose. We do. And I know this is something that we have talked about. It's been a hot minute since we've talked about it, though. Uh, The listener wants to know, it's kind of a two-parter. All right. Can I use 134A instead of 1234YF? And what is the difference? Okay. This is a very technical question out there. I love the questions from you guys, by the way. So as far as the... I got to be a little careful of how I answer this. Um, When you look up the textbook answer the textbook answer is no okay and that's probably my um my position on it so what's the difference of the two i guess i need to cover a little bit so 134a has been around for decades at this point it replaced r12 Um, it was better for the environment at that point in time and now they're telling us that 134a is no longer good for the environment and the 1234yf is the next greatest thing. Here's some of the uh, contrasts between the two and the similarities. The pressure and temperature relationship and the charge capacity is very similar. Um, You see the temperature and pressure relationship almost identical when you look at it on a chart. So as ambient temperature goes up, pressure does as well. Its ability to carry uh, heat load, discharge it, and then carry cool or cold refrigerant back into the um, evaporator is very similar. 
uh, some of the oils that they use are a little different. So that's one of the the contrast sides of it. When I was just getting into the business, there still was a lot of R12 vehicles out there. So I did some retrofits on it and that was an acceptable fix. The cooling usually wasn't quite as good with the 134A as it is with the R12, um, but the, um, the 1234YF as well as those machines have a refrigerant identifier in them. So if you ever do have to if some way you do figure out how to get uh, 1234YF, or I'm sorry, 134A in a 1234YF car and you take it into a service center, it's going to show a contaminated refrigerant. And it will not allow a 1234YF machine to work with a 134A refrigerant in it. So why is this question important and what do I think is going to happen at some point? Well, one of the things that's most important is 1234YF is flammable. It has a fairly strong flammable or combustible flash point with it. It also goes inert once it leaves the it gets into the atmosphere. I've seen different um uh, specs on this that anywhere from five to seven years the molecules basically split apart and it goes from the gas that has been engineered into as a refrigerant to inert which doesn't harm the atmosphere 134a doesn't do that so that's really where the big environmental shift i believe has come from as well as we saw when R12 went away, the price skyrocketed on it. And I am starting to see that with the 134A. Okay. Hopefully I covered the basis of the why you shouldn't or can't do that adequately. Here's the, the caveat but beside it. I think down the road there will be some kind of a retrofit or bridge the gap way to... Um, drop in a uh, different refrigerant if and when they do away with 134A. The supply or the amount of global manufacturing for 134A is starting to decrease. DuPont, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, made or manufactured probably like 40% of the world's supply of 134A. And they, as far as I understand are not manufacturing any of it anymore. So we have had some uh, reports, I haven't seen it personally, of contaminated refrigerant coming in from China over the years for 134A. So you have to be careful of where and who you get your refrigerant from, as well as the drop-in refrigerant. Here's my, my thought is that some point, and I've seen them out there where they have retrofit fittings that you can buy on the whoever's, you know, global, uh, you know, sales app that you have. I'm assuming Amazon or Walmart has those. The problem is, is the system's not quite made to do either one very well or do both very well. They're made to do one or the other. Have I seen folks out there do it? Yes. Once it's been done, the system's contaminated and you really can't ever go back to 1234YF. So you're gambling a few thousand dollars. 
If you look up the compressor numbers, I will put this out there as well. A lot of times the 134A compressor, say from 2013, is the same compressor number as the 1234YF compressor of a 2014 model. So to answer the question, no, you're not supposed to do it for now. I have seen as new things come in the industry, there may be a retrofit system that allows you to do it at some point. My biggest concern, A, you need to be able to understand the flammability of the 1234YF because you can, it will explode. Um, there's some videos out there on the internet where they fill balloons and whatnot. It's a pretty quick flash explosion, but it's it's got a lot of energy that goes along with it. So that's something to factor in, as well as once you do that and you contaminate the system, it can't ever be worked on by a shop that actually um, handles the 1234YF. Um, and in order to do that, you would have to evacuate the system, dispose of the refrigerant, and then flush or replace most of the whole AC system, which is probably going to be anywhere from two to $5,000. So did that make any sense, Sarah? Are you, are you tracking with me on this at all? No. <laughs> it's something it's that... It's a lot. Okay, it's it a, is lot. a lot. A lot of nerd talk today, huh? Yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. You know, it's the, the, the main reason I think somebody would ask this question is the refrigerant for 1234YF is extremely expensive. Mm. The red tape as far as the service and the time of service is probably, I'm going to say four to eight times as long as what I would do that same service on a 134A car because of all the cautionary stuff that it makes you do before it allow you to recover it, before it allow you to charge it. And then obviously I had to buy a brand new different AC machine that was many thousands of dollars. Um, so please don't put sealer in any of these, by the way. Um, but that's really the main reason I believe people would want to convert is because for the time being, 134A is significantly cheaper than our um, R12 than R12 or 1234YF. So okay. that's kind of the the uh, premise behind it. So if you're going to do it, you have now locked yourself into a large repair in the future if you ever want to go back. All right. Good answer. So uh, just speaking of, I guess, government, mm -hmm. I guess that's a good way to put it. That's I have an article here from. and it's a pretty interesting one. Okay. I've got pretty strong views on it. I, I figured it. you will as well. Okay. What do you got? Government agency is urging a mandate of technology to reduce speeding in new cars. Mm. Have you heard of this? No. Oh, yeah. Actually, I showed this article to Nick earlier this yeah. week and he's like, oh, yeah, I have saw this floating around mm. on the Internet. So the National Transportation Safety Board is urging another government agency to mandate that new cars have intelligent speed assistance, also known as ISA, technology in them. The investigative agency put forward the recommendation on Tuesday and directed it toward the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. New cars should at least have mandated passive ISA technology that provides speeding alerts to drivers, according to the NTSB. ISA systems can determine whether someone was driving their vehicle at an excessive speed by comparing a car's GPS location with a database of posted speed limits on its onboard cameras, the agency explained. Explained. That ISA tech-related recommendation was accompanied by multiple others to the NHTSA. 
Some included updating guidelines for state highway safety programs to include identification and tracking of repeat speeding offenders, developing countermeasures to reduce repeat speeding offenses, and conducting research and developing guidelines to assist states in implementing ISA interlock programs for repeat speeding offenders. The NHTSA always welcomes that the NTSB's input, and it carefully reviews it, especially when considering potential regulations. It is currently crafting a final decision notice and weighing feedback it has received as its request for public comment on changes that it suggested for the new car assessment program last year. According to the NHTSA, one of those uh, pertained to the possibility of bringing passive or active ISAs into the program, something the NTSB also called. The states and automakers received encouragement from the NTSB to take certain steps as well. For the former, it said they should implement programs to identify repeat speeding offenders and measurably reduce speeding uh, recidivism. It's a hard word to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For the latter, the recommendation was for them to at least incorporate passive ISA systems into future cars that they produce. Then it goes on and on and on. It's a very long article, but um, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's BS in my opinion. I'm trying to have a nice way to put that out there. You know, I have, uh, I've got to meet some of our fine law enforcement officers over the years because I uh, do speed from time to time. I'm not condoning that, but I sure don't want Big Brother watching over my shoulder and mailing me a ticket. Yep. Um, I don't think that's cool at all, nor do I think it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look out in Oklahoma on the turnpike where sometimes you'll have a speed limit of 85. You know, I see people managing that just fine. So if I can drive 85 in Oklahoma, but I drive 85 on I-44 here in Missouri, well, I'm doing the same thing, but now I'm breaking the law here in Missouri because we can't get it together for our road. So I'm going to stew on this while we take a break, and then uh, we'll see how high my blood pressure is when we come back. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I'd like your guys' feedback. You know, do you think that we need more safety controls? Uh, As far as I'm concerned, we got plenty. Uh, I'm not condoning speeding just so every, you know, buddy out there understands that. But if I can drive 85 in Oklahoma, I would like to drive 85 in Missouri. Or I think if you go to Ohio, they got some speed limits for some of our commercial drivers down to like 55 miles an hour. Now, I've seen uh, some drivers that should not have gotten their license, um, that should not be operating a commercial vehicle, so I understand that. But the safety regulations, if they can't speak English, they're not going to abide by the safety regulations that they put out there. I'm just saying. So uh, you can safety us to death if you'd like, or we could just have some common sense. I personally am more concerned about distracted driving than I am high-speed driving. Uh, I can't tell you how often uh, I see people texting or putting their makeup on or doing their hair. Or one of the best ones, and i got to give this old boy credit a little bit, uh, not in a good way, 
Uh, he was eating a bowl of cereal <laughs> while he was driving. Uh, and I was like, wow, bro. You know, that's a commitment to get your cereal in in the morning, I guess. So my concern with this, and you probably already thought of this, is if you are going to be controlling the speed mm-hmm. of newer vehicles yep. and issuing warnings and different things like that, what about emergency vehicles? Mm-hmm. What if they're rushing to the scene of an accident, rushing to a fire? You so know? I can speak on that a little bit. Emergency vehicles and government vehicles typically don't have to abide by these oh, rules. Oh, okay. For instance, uh, any of my diesel owners out there or now because of our listener last week, where they're going to be doing instead of diesel exhaust fluid, they're going to be gasoline exhaust fluid. Um, that was a great video they sent in. The uh, government vehicles don't come equipped with all of those regulations that they make us peasants purchase and fix and upkeep and repair, which is some of the highest repair costs in the automotive industry right now. The government cars don't come equipped with it. Hmm. They can. Uh, it's one of those do as I say, not as I do moments. Right. I mean, there's a million reasons why I can think that somebody could be speeding. There is all kinds of emergencies. Yes. And you better have the capability um, to get up and go because just as unsafe, in my opinion, is a high-speed driver that doesn't know how to operate their vehicle or is not mechanically um, in a state that it should be driven at high speeds, a slow driver or a driver that's driving under the speed limit is just as dangerous because people are not keeping up with traffic flow at that point in time. And you see it all the time where you'll get a driver that's dazed out or whatever, distracted for some reason, and they run into the back of a slower moving vehicle. Yeah. So if I had a to get up and go, especially getting on and off uh, the on-ramps and interchanges for some of our highways and byways, you had better get out of the way and go. You see these people that don't know how to get on a highway. Oh my gosh, I had that happen stop. to me the other day. Yeah. Is oh that not that's that's worse? And I almost rammed mm-hmm. into them because yeah. they they stopped yep. right in like the yeah. the lane to merge, and I'm like, there you could have went. Yeah, you get on the gas. Not to mention now that you're at a dead stop to get up to speed and not impede traffic. Exactly, which is why we have expressways. Uh, you had better, and, and that's something I've worked with the kids quite often, is teaching them how to merge correctly and merge at speed, not to get to the end of it and stop, and now you are in a bad spot. Uh, I, I would venture to say that there's probably a significant number of fatality accidents because people didn't get up to speed quick enough. So right. uh, that's something that I take real seriously, especially... Um, when you're driving a vehicle with higher um, gross vehicle weight or you're driving a kind of economy or gas saver vehicle that doesn't have a lot of horsepower, you had better use everything to your advantage. And if I can get a run to get up to speed and merge at speed, so say we're on I-44 here in Springfield, I had better be merging above 60 miles an hour, and it better be closer to probably 65 to 70 so I don't impede traffic. That is a driving skill, and I've got a dear friend who initially learned how to drive over in Germany, 
And they actually have a driving course that you have to go through before that. And that was one of his biggest frustrations here is people didn't know how to do some of the fundamentals, merge, you know, on ramps, off ramps, et cetera. They have the Autobahn, right? They do have the well, Autobahn. Well, that's, that's probably why you had to learn. Yeah. And that, you know, that shows me that if the road conditions are good, the vehicles are built correctly, you can truly increase in a safe manner um, your travel speed and not have to safety people to death. But you do need to put in some, uh, you know, common sense there, I guess would be the best way. If you can't figure out how to merge, you don't need to be on the interstate or expressway. So you think that's too harsh? No. And while you were talking, I, I was thinking of something I was going to say, and I completely lost oh, it. I know. It's a bummer. But yeah, I will go ahead and I'll put this article up if you want to read the entire thing. They mentioned some different stats and, you know, they've, they talk about why it's so great and everything. I'll post it if you want to read the whole thing at ksgf.com. I'll put it in our show notes under the podcast section. So I'd love your guys' feedback yeah, out there. Let I have a know. feeling we're all probably on the same page I with think this. So. I, I mean, you just can't, you know, common sense is not so common anymore. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, trying to, you know, lean into teaching our young people a little bit more, um, real world information, we're going to try and put so much red tape out there. And then the victim mentality comes out, well, we needed another law. Or how about we just pull our head out of our rear and operate our vehicle like we all expect that it should and not be on the phone or texting or putting your makeup on or oh boy, eating your cereal while you're driving to work at least get some oatmeal, bro. You know, you won't spill the milk, you know. <laughs> I want to say that was a manual transmission vehicle, if I remember right. Oh, so, so not was only really skilled. He was. Not only, I think that's why I was so amazed at that. He was driving <laughs> and shifting with his, his legs or his thighs, if you will, um, and then holding the cereal bowl and then shifting in the midst of, you know, shoveling it in there, bro. Um, you know, get a burrito. I mean, something. A biscuit I, or, or eat before you leave would be awesome. I'm just saying. I get my uh, old man insurers and I sip on them while I'm in the truck. You know, that's my breakfast in the morning. Your old man insurers. I do. That's, <laughs> hey, I love them. That's my new jam. It, uh, it's it's that nice uh, way to start your day without a heavy breakfast. Well, we have a couple minutes before okay. we have to go to break. I figured we could do a shop update. Oh, yes. So if anybody hasn't, have you driven by... Fort and Sunshine. I drove by like two weeks ago okay. and there was a whole building there. There's a whole building there. Mm-hmm. There's now a sign on the building. Ooh. So you know what it's going to be. Pretty excited about that. The weather's fighting me a little bit this week, but we're partially in the midst of getting asphalt and a parking lot, which is pretty important out there. The lifts are kind of trickling in. I think I have five out of the seven lifts, if I remember right. So we're going to be getting those installed in the next couple of weeks. Lighting's going in, painting's going in, floors are going in, uh, the sheetrock's pretty much done. Some of the windows are in, the doors are on. It's weather tight. The heating is working, thankfully. Wow, as we look at you as we transition into old yield winter. Um, so I'm really excited. I think uh, what are we close to the end of November here? I'm hoping mid-December is when we're going to be open for business. Fingers crossed. I hope so. We need to take one more break. We're going to wrap the show up right after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. 
right, welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Uh, Sarah, you and I always do a gift show towards Christmas. That's right. So that'll probably be our next show is what you were kind of I saying? I think so. Uh, so next week will be the second, okay. and I think that'll give everybody enough time. I always get kind of confused mm-hmm. whenever we start getting close to Christmas. Like, when can when's the last day you can order for things? So oh, I yeah. think that'll give people plenty of time. So I'm going to ask for y'all's help out there. If you guys got some ideas, I mean, a lot of you know what my ideas are, and I give practical gifts, Mm -hmm. I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, But if you guys got some like widgets that are just the bee's knees out there, we'd like to know about it. I also found this, uh, I guess it's like a Facebook Reels. I am in love with this person. She's awesome. So she created a Christmas stocking stuffer Mm -hmm. list of practical items to get your your husband or that 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 man in your life and i love that because i will see like these christmas wish list and it'll be like get them golf clubs or i that's not my husband Mm -hmm. like my husband's like a blue collar like hard work and individual i know that is a lot of our listeners out there there's also nothing wrong with golfing but um the the typical like man list Mm -hmm. It, t- it never fits my husband, and it probably never fits you either because no, you guys are, like, cut out of the same yeah. cloth, really. So no. I'm going to, like, pull that list up, too. So I know this is a little off topic. I'm not a golfer either. I figured. A shock, but <laughs> they make a upper receiver for an AR-15 that you put blanks in, and it'll shoot golf balls out of an AR-15. Now, that is a gift <laughs> That's something I'd be you interested would want. in. As well as they have one that you can shoot... Uh, adult beverage cans and soda cans out of an AR-15. It will shoot soda cans out. Now, there's a gift right there. Nice. I don't have one of those. Well, I'll pull that up. Um, <laughs> I'll find that. Put that on our show notes. Yeah. I'll, I'll find that lady that did like the practical mm-hmm. stocking stuffers. And then I'll come up with a list. You come up with some things. I will. Because you're an Amazon kind of guy. So I got to ask you uh, like a lady question okay. as far as gift giving. I get a lot of flack because like for my sister and my mom and the the ladies in my life, I buy them manly items. Now, maybe they're humoring me and they're like, oh, you give such practical glyphs. Or maybe it's just complete garbage and I'm not giving them, you know, I typically don't give like smelly candles or, you know, Starbucks gift cards. Does Stacy like like your gifts? No. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, hold on. Let me rephrase that. So I messed up a few years ago, and I gave her a gift that I thought was awesome. Not my best gift choice ever. But I think I redeemed myself, and maybe you'll think this is crazy. She loves the Sonic Ice. Oh, yes. So I searched around, and I found, I think it was for her birthday, a at-home ice machine that makes Sonic Ice. That sits on your counter? Yes. Ah. So I redeemed myself from the bad gift that I'd given her a couple years ago, I think, I hope. Uh, but I put a lot of effort into trying to give her something that will make her life easier, benefit her in a way that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think about. You know, it's like, oh, I got another candle. Or, oh, I got another bath set. Or I don't know what girly <laughs> stuff. I'm not good at this. So, <laughs> so the reason I asked 
if Stacy hated your gifts is because me and Stacy are very much alike. Yes, you are. So uh, to answer, <laughs> go back to your uh, question. I have a feeling I probably wouldn't like your gifts either. Yeah. Then. Okay. <laughs> but so. no, I like I like a good practical gift. I just don't like every gift as a okay. A gift is a gift. Maybe you got to remember that. Maybe that's where I went wrong. Is that uh, not every gift is, should be a should practical? Be practical. Yeah. Sometimes there should be some smell good stuff in yeah. there. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'm taking. If you your, need help, I will help I you this year. <laughs> I think I'm doing okay this year, but I'm trying to grow and learn. Um, I won't give a Yeti cooler ever again. That was where. Now it got. that I think would be a cool okay. gift. Well, I'm not on Stacy's side on yeah, that. I, so I can see your point on this one. It was when the bags first came out, the Yeti mm-hmm. soft zippable bags. I will tell you, Yeti, if you happen to be a listener of the show. Uh, the zipper area it irritates and scratches your arm every time you go in and out of it. So mm. that was kind of a, a functional thing that I didn't foresee. I'd never had one in the past. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of what other gifts. I get on a kick each year. Um, I give uh, Fufu gifts as well. But like I think was it last year, I was on a fire extinguisher kick. So everybody got a regular gift and a fire extinguisher. Before that, I think everybody got a regular gift and a water filtration system so they could uh, filter potable water and drink it. Uh, The year before that, everybody got a gift and first aid kits. So, you know, I I try and walk the line there. If you need a first aid kit, now I'm your Fiverr guy. (laughs) You've got it covered, huh? Yeah. Maybe I gave you a tourniquet and hopefully, God forbid, you need it. But if you if you do need it, then at least they have it. So. Yeah. Well, I, I laugh, but I do have all of those things in my house. So See? And <laughs> not enough of them. I mean, you know, practical stuff, you know, sometimes we don't think about that, hey, I need a good fire extinguisher, or you need 20, which, you know, I feel like I need 20. Do you carry a fire extinguisher yes. in your vehicle? Yes, I do. That's smart. Yep. Even um, I'm trying to work out how and where to mount them. Um, They're kind of just rolling around at the moment. I know that's not the best, but I took uh, my personal truck up deer hunting this last weekend. And that was one of the things with my kit that as I was loading, I wanted to make sure there was a fire extinguisher in there. So that's good. I do carry that. Do they make um, like little mini ones specifically for your truck? Yep. So thank you to our racing industry. But uh, one of the... um, mandates on the local race tracks around here you have to keep a fire extinguisher in a race car so oh, i didn't know that that makes sense though where i kind of came up with that but yeah you can order them on on amazon uh last year during black friday i ordered a whole bunch and gave a bunch of them away um, because you know when a fire is small a lot of times you can snuff it out once the plastic and you know rubber and all the stuff that cars are made up now once it's going you're not putting it out i fortunately or unfortunately had some experience with a house fire years ago and was able to get to it fairly quickly with a garden hose but i'll never forget that sinking feeling that i was too little too late and even with the garden hose going full bore once that old uh chemical based items caught fire there was no stopping that thing Mm. i mean and i was down there probably within the first 10 minutes maybe And once it was going, like I said, that plastic and, you know, old, you know, dried out everything that uh, that building went up in a hurry and there was no no chance that garden hose was going to get to it. So my point is, is if you can snuff it out real quick because you've got the extinguisher equipment right there, then you're way money ahead and potentially saving your residence or 
Um, you know, even the kids, you know, I worry about, you know, they like to have candles or whatever. Um, I want them to have the ability to snuff things out as well. So, uh, I think as each one of our children, um, you know, got into their first personal car, they got first aid kits, they got jump boxes, air compressors, and fire extinguishers for their vehicle. Now, can they find them? Probably not. (laughs) So mounting them is important, and that's something I need to do a better job of. Yeah. Okay, well, we've got a couple minutes here. What's been going on around the shop? So as the temperature swings, we see a lot of no starts, a lot of battery situations. Um, Probably a lot of heat. Yes, a lot of lack thereof, (laughs) uh, wiper uh, functions. When we get freezing precipitation, which we've not had yet, Um, people try and roll their windows down and break the window regulators. So we see a lot of that as we go into winter. Something that we did here recently, we kind of opened our shop up. Um, Darren and I put on a basic uh, starting and charging system and parasitic drain class for some other shops here in Springfield and some of our surrounding areas. We have a great relationship with Bat Boys down in Branson. Um, they sent probably four or five of their techs up there for us to, you know, just kind of do some tune-up stuff. And that's one of those things that if you ever really want to know the nitty-gritty about a subject, try and teach it to somebody else. Yeah. You have got to really polish those skills. And I'm I'm not saying that it's impossible, but it's one thing for somebody to go and do and be proficient in the tasks. It's a whole nother thing to be able to articulate and show somebody else or a group i think we had probably about 30 techs in there that night of your processes your procedures and why and then be able to field the questions when they don't understand or they don't see the value of it and be able to communicate that in a way to get everybody on board so that was something that we did um i think it was on tuesday night so they asked if we would continue to do it it was kind of our first one so I'm going to take that as we did a pretty decent job, hopefully uh, giving them value for their time. So we started about 6.30, and I think we ended around 9. So it's a pretty good lengthy uh, basic intro to starting and charging and parasitic drain class. How do you make these relationships with the other shops? You know, it's it evolves over time. Um, there's a lot of times where, you know, because we have been so active in training over the years, that's how I get to know them. Um, they see how we, or, you know, I, for a lot of years was sitting in there by myself. It's not really that way anymore. You know, I have a lot more younger guys and and more experienced guys that are attending these classes along with me and they see kind of what you're about, the questions you ask, and then you develop those relationships. And then, you know, it reaches past, you know, so-and-so shop to so-and-so shop. You know, I'll get calls for cars. Hey, I've got this problem. Hey, I need this tool, et cetera for cars that aren't at A1 Custom Car Care. And I really don't view that as helping the competition. I just, I don't foresee, you know, if the industry as a whole is better, you know, if I needed a doctor and they wanted to consult, you know, say it's a Cox Hospital doctor and they wanted to consult a Mercy doctor, I really don't care. I don't see that as competition either. I need my whatever taken care of or fixed. So I see that as the same way in automotive. So, you know, if we can help raise the level of technicians, even if they're not at A1 Custom Car Care, the industry needs it out there. Sarah, honestly, this is the main reason why we do this show, honestly. We share a lot 
with the industry out there. Are we perfect? And do I have things that get messed up on cars or, you know, maybe I got to take two or three swings at it to get it taken care of. Yeah, it happens. But, uh, you know, I'm pushing us and the industry as much as I possibly can because the industry and the customers need better automotive repair. Well, believe it or not, we are officially out of show. If you are out there in Radio Land, you have a question or a comment for us, feel free to text us on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe out there. Bye.